broadcasting live from the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Armstrong and Getty. And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. From Studio C. Oh, C, Senor. It's a dimly lit room deep within the bowels of the Armstrong and Getty compound. I try to get the right channel on to watch Captain Kirk get blasted into space. Uh, today we're under the tutelage of our general manager. Inflation. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. You want some. Ah, oh, I believe it's a transitory. It's a temporary. COVID. You want something scary for Halloween? Inflation. I might actually dress as inflation go around with the kids. Just be a big I, the letter I. Mm. And when people say, what is that? I'm going to say inflation. It's the scariest thing I can think of. Huh? Moving up. And then you push them down and run inside and take some of their money away. Because that's what inflation does, my friend. <laughs> yeah, big finish here. Here we go. You know what? You know what I have to keep reminding myself, and everybody else should too? Just because William Shatner was on a show about space doesn't really mean he's got any more insight or knowledge about it than I do. Nor ability. <laughs> and I just heard exactly. I just heard him talking, and he said, "I just think it'd be really cool to see the see the Earth from space." And I thought, you know, that that is true. But uh, the, the, I don't know. There's something about it just made me realize. Yeah, he's just an actor. He's played a lawyer. He's played a cop. He's played all kinds of different. He's, yeah. And he was on a campy space show 50 years ago. He doesn't have any more connection to space than I do. <laughs> no, indeed. You, you might as well send the guys from uh, Wagon Train or Maud or all in the family into space. If you're they're gonna, still alive. If you're going to pick shows from 50 years ago. Yeah. Or the yeah. guys from Adam 12. Put them in space. Just it makes as much sense. <laughs> you know, I suppose you could argue that since the show was created by Gene Roddenberry, great science fiction writer and, and futurist, blah, 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 but nah, he was an actor. Oh, I, so that was a joke. I'm looking at him lining up uh, before they got on the spaceship today, and they're all in blue. The, the picture I saw yesterday was Captain Kirk in his usual kind of greenish yellow tunic from Star Trek. And oh, every, yeah, yeah. And everybody else on the crew is in a red shirt. And if you're a Star Trek fan going back, <laughs> the red shirts always die. Right, right. I didn't realize that's just a joke. Okay, they're not that's actually funny. dressing in the red shirts. You land on another planet, the red shirts are going to get killed. Please. <laughs> Doomed. Uh, Fascinating. Yeah, I just heard the inflation numbers. We'll have to get into that. That's uh, That's freaking frightening. They're they're gonna uh, jump up Social Security checks next year. The biggest jump in fifty years or something like that for uh, for raising Social Security checks to keep up with the fact that it's going to be able to buy less. Yeah, with yeah. inflation, which is just awful. Just because I have the number in front of me, consumer price index climbed five point four percent from a year earlier as strained supply chains keep pushing up prices. Well, that and, and Tucker did some great stuff with. Uh, maybe we'll share some of it with you a little bit later on about inflation. How about the Fed has just been pumping money into the economy since 2008, the so-called quantitative easing, and how they keep saying they're going to taper it off, but they don't. Right. Um, well, I don't, you know, just my own personal experience, groceries are way, way higher. Gas is higher. I bought a vehicle not that long ago. It was way higher than it would have been a couple of years ago. As we mentioned yesterday, the average price of a new car now is $44,000. It's up 
a huge percent from last year. <laughs> and it, Same used car will cost you seven grand more than it did last year. Yeah, so just uh, recent things I've purchased are certainly a lot more expensive. Yipes! Yeah, yipes is right. And, you know, I hate to return everything to politics, but if this continues on, uh, Biden and company will be doomed, absolutely doomed. If there is one political-slash-economic phenomenon you do not need to explain to people, that you need no brilliant messaging, no charismatic Barack Obama type, people feel inflation right in their gut, in their pocketbook. You don't need to tell them about it. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and we're screaming toward another maybe $5 trillion that we're going to spend here in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Vote, vote in a couple of weeks. Right in the midst of the worst inflation since I've been an adult. So, yeah, that's pretty damned troubling. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder about whether that vote's going to take place and what's going to happen. I don't feel momentum building for that insanity. Of course, maybe I'm not hanging around the right people. Well, here's a for instance on that, and uh, maybe we'll grab the sound from this, because it's pretty amazing to hear. I'm watching a little uh, Morning Joe on MSNBC today. They're doing for punishment. They're doing this amazing story, that Walgreens is closing five more San Francisco locations, having closed 17 of their stores in the last couple of years, because people steal from them so much, they just can't. Be open. Right. Five San more Francisco stores. has legalized crime and is seeing the obvious no, results. that is not what's going on. I was watching MSNBC, and Mika Brzezinski oh. does a story, and she says, that's terrible, but what you really feel is you feel bad for the people that are in such a dire situation from our economy that they have to do that, mm. that they have to steal. Once and again. And I thought, if, well, that's, if that's what we're up against, if that's what we're up against to try to have a store open, a store, you know, where you just buy regular stuff like your toilet paper and your sh- your razor and just regular stuff to live. If you can't have one of those in society, because so many freaking unicorn riding soft heads think, well, the people are just suffering, so they need to do that. They don't. They don't have any other choice. Then, then we're just doomed as a society. Hey, here's the deal: there always have been poor people. There always will be poor people. There's no system that will eliminate poor people. My only advice for poor people is try really hard not to be one. But other than that, there's no excuse for stealing. All right? That's just theft. You're just a freaking criminal. And a society has to come up with a way that you can have a store open where you can buy toilet paper and razors for crying out loud. Boy, is there a more delusional class of people than the wealthy limousine liberals who have no idea what's happening in the real world? Oh, my God. I can't believe the allegedly smart person said on cable TV, what you you feel bad for is that the people are in such a bad situation with the economy. The economy is never going to be better than this. This is like among the best economies in the history of the world that we got going on right now. Like I said, there's always going to be poor people. If you can come up with a system where there are no no poor people, good for you, because it's never been invented. But and there have always been criminals, but this, and they are criminals. But this is as good as it gets. Right. This is well, as good as it gets right now, so society's got to be able to f- craft a way where you can have a store open for crying out loud. Right. Well, again, I invite Mika Brzezinski and London Breed, who uh, tried to reason with the criminals. She said, you need to understand your mother, your grandmother, your relatives depend on places like Walgreens. Please stop stealing. 
And as uh, Todd wrote in an email, in London's demented world, it makes more sense to politely ask the criminals to stop versus holding them accountable through law and order. And so, once again, I renew my invitation to London Breed and Mika Brzezinski. Let's divide the country in two. You have half. Those of us who think like we do have half. And let's just see how it goes for the next 10 years. You run Blumerica however you want, or, or call it uh, Wokatania or Unicornia or whatever you want. And we'll just keep the United States of America as the name for our United States, and we'll run it the way we see fit and see who does better. What is it? Is unicorn flatulence intoxicating? Is it like, uh, uh, what's the, the laughing gas, the nitrous oxide? Maybe that's it. These people have lost their minds. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't know how, you, I don't know how you grow up to be an adult and don't recognize there's a chunk of society that will steal stuff if there's not a penalty for it. Sure. They're predators. Always has been. Always will be. Anyway, we'll talk about that more later. we got to start the show officially, or the FCC comes down on us like we're John Gruden. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty on this Wednesday, October 13th, the year 2021, where Armstrong and Getty, we approve of this program. Let's begin the show officially. According to FCC rules and regs, we have the, the, the manual right back in the office. We flip through it every day. It's like Bible study, but the FCC rules. All right, let's begin at Mark. Hi, I'm William Shatner. I have searched earnestly and desperately for intelligence and perception in the universe, and I have found it everywhere, except here on Armstrong and Getty. <laughs> Thank you, William Shatter. Thank you, Bill. So one of the things that they also said on the cable news channel, <clears throat> and this is, you know, media criticism, which is, I don't know, practically the lowest form of communication. But um, so after the one host says, well, you, you just feel bad that the people are in a position where they have to steal, and, and the guy said, and, and people are in a position where they have to steal to survive, and we're shooting a 90 million... A ninety-year-old man into space. Okay, you're not adults. You don't. You need to pipe down and let the grown-ups talk. <laughs> so I would just like. I wish somebody could interrupt and say, "Okay, I just. I'm, I'm going to let you fully fl- fl- flush out, flesh out whatever your your theory is. I want to hear the connection between William Shatner going into space and how you would turn that into money for the people who are stealing from the Walgreens, and then they. I, I want to hear this. I want to hear this whole system. I want to hear the whole thing in its entirety. <laughs> How that works. It, it's simple. The government <laughs> confiscates most money and spends it on what they say it, it ought to be spent on. I need to see the dots connected between William Shatner going in space right. and people stealing from the Walgreens. Right. You, you got all these poor people, and Eli Whitney keeps wasting money on developing a cotton gin. You got all these poor people, and Henry Ford keeps going on about building cars. Oh, my God, you people. Seriously. You were down. a child. Go do something else. Yes, go do something else. (laughs) How does mailbag look? Oh, it's good. It's it's actually quite good. It it involves both. uh, It includes both sheep and horses, particularly their manure. That's fantastic. And agricultural related, I guess. Kind of, yeah. Uh, Mailbag, and we'll get into the news of the day, more of the inflation numbers, which are horrifying, and other stuff. Our text line, 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. Bumped back the uh, liftoff for William Shatner being blasted into space. 
So now for not till next hour. I think they're not saying why because the weather seems fine. I think it's old man problems. <laughs> I think it's some sort of. I'm not sure what that means exactly. I don't know what I ate last night. I feel like I've got an alien in my colon. <laughs> Fascinating. Something, something like that. Uh, oh boy. Now that is one theory. How about a freedom loving quote of the day, my friends? Going back to our founding documents once again, focusing this week on the Bill of Rights. The Fifth Amendment. Everybody knows the Fifth, right? I claim the Fifth. I don't have to incriminate myself. Well, wait. Wait, there's more. No person shall be held to answer for a capital or otherwise infamous crime unless on a presentment or indictment of a grand jury, except in cases arising in the land or naval forces or in the militia when in actual service in time of war or public danger. That's a court's martial, in other words. Nor shall any person be subject for the same offense to be twice put in jeopardy of life or limb. Nor shall be compelled in any criminal case to be witness against himself, nor be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. Nor shall private property be taken for public use without just compensation. That part of the Fifth Amendment has been battered. Uh, by some uh, battered, not like fish sticks are battered, battered, like beaten, uh, injured by several terrible Supreme Court cases in the last 20 years or so. Yeah, I don't want to take up all your mailbag time, but you know, when I hear that stuff, I think, man, the, 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 the founding fathers had really thought out the whole system. But it's because, unlike Afghanistan and Iraq and a bunch of other places where we've tried to build a democracy, we'd been doing this for 150 years before we got around to our Constitution. I mean, we had a bunch of towns and colonies that had crafted governments and, and tried different things. So and the founders had, had witnessed English common law and the violations of it by various kings. They knew what to look out for. Anyway, uh, here's your mailbag. Woo! It's uh, a billboard sent along by Josh. We went from 10 days to flatten the curve to show me your papers in a year and a half. I did not see that coming. Gotcha. N-A-Z-I. Nazi. Did you catch that, Jack? (laughs) I did, and it did you? And it laid me low. (laughs) Oh, good. Moving along. I inquired yesterday, what's a bellwether? I use the Mm. term all the time, but where'd it come from? Wouldn't it be a weather bell? Well, it has nothing to do with weather, W-E-A-T-H-E-R. Cheryl was the first in with the following information. A sheep used to track a herd... What? Uh, shepherd, this is... There's a misprint here, but... Uh, w- w- when a shepherd is tracking a herd of sheep, one weather, W-E-T-H-E-R, which is a castrated male... Yeah. ...wore a bell, which could be tracked audibly when the group was not in sight. So it's the one sheep that indicates where the other sheep are. Wow. I Wow. There are a lot of expressions that we all use that, um, you know, we ignore the origin of. But this one's more complicated than I'd never really thought about it. I used the I used the term yesterday. Is Virginia a bellwether for the, uh, the you know, the upcoming uh, midterm elections? Right. Uh, everybody talking about that. I had no idea. You had Is a Virginia weathered, castrated sheep? You had a weathered sheep with a bell on it. Okay. Well, and, and, and why does it have to be the castrated male wearing a bell? Because otherwise it'd be constantly ringing as he was, uh, you know, making baby sheep. I don't know. Ask your local shepherd. They do act, well, at least for goats, the weathered uh, the weathered males act a lot different than the bucks. You keep yeah. the bucks separate because they're crazy people, and they pee on their faces all day long. Oh, boy. Hard to imagine the appeal there. Uh, Paolo writes... <clears throat> 
You've pointed out the effects of climate change will play out over many decades and our ability to significantly influence it or even ascertain the success of our attempts to mitigate its effects is limited. Yes, we have said that many times. Unfortunately, our ability to use the issue to justify extreme measures to do tangible, measurable harm is pretty much unlimited. The horse manure part of this note refers to the great horse manure crisis of 1894. What? You've probably heard of it. No, I haven't. New York, London, and other big cities were inundated with horse poop. There were predictions that every street in London would be buried under nine feet of it. It was bad. What to do? In 1898, the first International Urban Planning Conference convened in New York. It was abandoned after three days because none of the delegates delegates could see any solution to the growing crisis posed by urban horses and their output. Notably, nobody suggested banning horses. Uh, of course, it was technology that came to the rescue, cars, and the rest is history. We need to wisely invest in technology, and while we shouldn't naively assume it will make moot all of our problems, let's not do the modern-day equivalent of banning horses either. My son and I ended up on a conversation about this. I think it's when we were in San Francisco for the uh, Giants-Dodgers game. Um, I don't know how we got on it, but it was the idea that... Have you ever seen that really old video? I think it's from 1906, before the earthquake. That video where they've got the, the like main street in San Francisco? It's really mm-hmm. wild to watch. But anyway, you got some cars, some horses, lots of walking, and there seem to be no rules whatsoever. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're, Keep your head on a swivel was the rule. And we were just wondering, when did they start making you drive on the right and stop at stop signs and having those rules? Because they clearly didn't have them then. Huh. Like, just completely random people driving around and walking around and stuff. Yeah, uh, we'll bring you up to speed a bunch of different stuff in a, in a moment. If you miss an hour of the show, get it on the podcast ArmstrongandGetty dot com. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. As we've mentioned, but might be the biggest story of the day, might be the biggest story of the decade. The Rolling Stones have dropped one of their greatest hits from their set list. That's right, Jack. Big story, and we'll talk about it later. Oh. If you thought about it for about five seconds, you could probably guess which one. And Paul McCartney and Mick Jagger getting into it verbally. Really? Yeah. Arguing about Beatles the- or Stones, which is your favorite. Pretty we'll much, take your calls. Pretty much. <laughs> now, the biggest story of the day, maybe the biggest story of the decade, I hope not is uh, inflation, and there's some scary numbers out today. Social Security recipients will see the biggest one-year increase in their payments in 40 years. And the reason they're doing that is because um, cost of living is just going up so much. Uh, And that's frightening. Yeah, inflation is absolutely wildly out of control. Uh, Let's see, I'm sorry, I just had it in front of me. Was it 5.4% year over year? Um. And it's an inflation has a strong emotional component in that when we all get afraid of inflation, we start buying things now because we think they're going to be cheaper now, which drives up the demand, which drives up the price. It's self-perpetuating and getting out of the spiral can be rough. So the Labor Department said the Consumer Price Index, which measures what consumers pay for goods and services. Why do you need to explain that? The Consumer Price Index is an index of the prices paid by consumers. What? It's right there in the name. Anyway, it rose a seasonally adjusted 0.4% in September from August. That's faster than in August, down markedly from June's horrific 0.9% pace. But on an annual basis, inflation picked up with CPI rising 5.4% in September from a year earlier. 
Um, it's, it's a bad sign. And even if it is, as some are still claiming, but increasingly few are trying to say, this is transitory. It's just a strictly COVID. Now, this is, this is some of that, but this is also just inflation for the, the old timey reasons. Uh, at any rate, um, oh boy, we've got a lot of sound on this. Ah, all right, here's, we'll concede this is COVID-related. Clip 40, Michael. Clip 40, William Lajeunesse. Higher prices, empty shelves, surging demand. Highlights a growing supply chain crisis. As hundreds of ships wait to be loaded with cargo off Shanghai, hundreds more are already docked, anchored, or waiting for weeks to offload containers at ports in Long Beach and Los Angeles. Container traffic is up 30%, but trucking capacity only 8%. So more ships wait longer as trucking companies struggle to find workers. The demand for truck drivers right now is absolutely breathtaking. There are estimates out there that there's a a need for at least 60,000 new truck drivers on the road. Yeah, that's uh, that's troubling. And wait till they get into the prices here. Um, Some of the, 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 the numbers here are really frightening. Yep, let it roll. 41. California warehouses are 98% full, according to the real estate firm Cushman Wakefield, and rail yards face gridlock. Turnaround time for a container in February was six days. Today in L.A., 16. So now this congestion is rippling over to Savannah, to the East Coast ports, up in the northern ports as well. So it's rippling out and they're having backlogs now. That congestion shows up in consumer prices. Cost to ship a container from China two years ago, $2,000. Today, 13000 to the West Coast, 19000 to the East. What? Once offloaded, truckers charged a buck sixty-four per mile pre-pandemic. Today, two eighty-nine. dollars Why is there inflation? Why are things costing more? Yeah, that's incredible. I'm, I'm, I'm. When I heard that, I was only surprised that things aren't more expensive than they are. Yeah, it reminds me of the reverse of you're spending like a lunatic, then you have a health problem and claim you're broke because of the health problem. We are pouring money, pumping money into the economy in insane fashion, and then we have a little pandemic and a little supply chain interruption, and all of a sudden, the what the the inflationary effect that would have existed has been multiplied now uh, tucker carlson was on that uh, last night spelling it out in 44 but in the grocery lately the cost of a pound of steak is up by two bucks a pound of bacon costs over seven dollars right now and suddenly everything costs more eggs milk coffee mustard etc 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 these are not luxury items this is not a trip to saint bart's these are things you buy every week and you have to buy the question is are your wages rising as fast as your costs. Well, let's see. Vegetable oil is up 60%, so probably not. And that means you're getting poorer, whether you realize it or not. Yeah, every time I go to, well, really any store, not even just grocery stores, but every time I go to a store and buy stuff, I'm always shocked at the total at the end. What? I didn't buy that many things. How is this a $75 trip to the grocery store when I got this many things? Yeah, well, I yeah. didn't realize my bacon is seven bucks. So Tucker wrote a piece about what the Fed is doing and the quantitative easing. What they're doing is um, printing more than a hundred billion new dollars in American currency. Then they inject those dollars into our financial system by buying assets like bonds and securities. It's kind of a radical thing for them to do, and it was supposed to be temporary in response to the crisis in '08. 
but they've just kept doing it, and they keep threatening to end it and taper it off, but then everybody reacts wildly on Wall Street. Um, and then he points out that uh, pumping that much money into the economy makes every dollar you have worth less. Simple supply and demand. As he says, you buy diamonds by the carrot, but you buy dirt by the yard. Overabundance decreases value. And so every new dollar you print buys less. If you keep printing them, you wind up devaluing your own currency. It's one thing a responsible government should never do. It may enrich banks in a tiny number of big investors who give to the Democratic Party, which is true, but devaluing your currency screws everyone who works and who saves that's immoral those are exactly the people that a legitimate government ought to be trying to help as its core mission and yet they're not i would agree what can you do vote for fiscal responsibility you know it's we've had this conversation ongoing for a number of years and it's kind of shifted in the last year or two is there any constituency anymore for fiscal responsibility and uh, Rush Limbaugh, before he died, said, no, no, there isn't anymore. Um, but I think like a lot of the pronouncements about COVID, a lot of the pronouncements about uh, the American office is dead. Everyone will work remotely for the rest of their lives. I think that pre- that uh, pronouncement may have been premature. I think if we see rampant, crippling inflation, all of a sudden it may come back in vogue. I hope. I hope you're right. So, Paul McCartney's out doing interviews for some reason. You know who he is? Lead singer from Wings, Paul McCartney. <laughs> well, that's also, true. He's also in the Beatles. Um, and you got to be over a certain age to care about this at all. I'm of that age, and I still don't care, but some people do. Um, but so, uh, the who broke up the Beatles question has been a thing that, like books and movies and whatever. Paul McCartney did an interview just two days ago where he said, John broke up the Beatles. That's the end of the story. John is the one who broke up the Beatles. So uh, there you go from, you know, John's not here to defend himself, but uh, he says that also. Well, John, having said, like three days after the Beatles were broken up, I didn't want to do that anymore. I don't think it's much of a mystery. (laughs) Anyway, um, also asked the other day, Paul McCartney, who's better, the Beatles or the Rolling Stones? And he said, well, I'm not sure I should say, but they're basically just a blues cover band is what the Rolling Stones are. (laughs) <laughs> we cast our net a bit a little bit wider. The response from Mick Jagger when he heard the news was, "This is a, 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 a battling eighty-year-old gazillionaires." Yes. Uh, Mick Jagger said, "Well, our band is luckily still playing stadiums. Their band doesn't exist." So, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> Wow. I just think wow. it's funny there was anybody. It's funny that people were asking, and funny that they're responding. I mean, be, either one of them could could have answered with, are you freaking kidding me? Who cares? What difference does it make? That's 60 years ago. 60 years ago. All right? <laughs> Dang near. Well, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's just the Beatles are a, a, a relic of uh, musical history. <laughs> and I don't mean relic in a, in a bad way, but I just, uh, you two rock legends, if you're going to get into an idiotic spat, come with better material than that. And they're just a blues cover band. Yeah, the, they're broke up. That's all you got? It's like if uh, Betty Davis and Rita Hayworth were still around, <laughs> you could ask them who was the greatest female actress of the 30s. <laughs> Somewhat like that, yes. And I know the Stones are playing. What an idiotic argument. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I found that hilarious. Uh, and I'm in the crowd that doesn't care, but I just found that hilarious.
You know, all those uh, musical arguments, I, I understand that people, they engage in them because it's something to talk about. But the whole Beatles versus Stones thing, it's like, what's a better sport, baseball or football? Which one do you like better? That's the better one for you. Can we talk about something else? And here's here's one of the keys to the whole thing. You could change your mind tomorrow and it wouldn't make any difference. No. <laughs> no. It's fine. <laughs> The Stones have removed brown sugar from their set list. L.A. Times asked them about it. They hadn't played it. It's the second most played song in their catalog. They've played it thousands of times. One of the great riffs of all time right there. Keith, Hope, and G, guitar players, you know that. Because it's a racial component? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the first uh, the first verse is... Uh... Listen, this is John Gruden on the backup <laughs> guitar. Takes another... Few seconds to get rolling, but again, <laughs> it's the yeah, it's the uh, the first verse that's especially problematic. His lips are too big. I can't understand what he's saying. Uh, what, what are the lyrics? Well, I, I'm not gonna go ahead and hang on. He's got lips like inflatable tires. I can't understand it. Are you seriously going with Mick Jagger has big lips blasts? Well, well, Talk gonna... about something that's 60 years out of date. That wasn't funny anymore in 1970. If we're going to do who broke up the Beatles, I guess that's where we're going. All right, turn it off. Turn off this felt. I want to have it on my show. You can't understand the words. That's why I like Sinatra. Gold, gold, gold Coast slave ship bound for cotton fields sold in the market down in New Orleans. Scarred old slaver knows he's doing all right. Hear him whip the women just around midnight. I can tell Brown you, sugar, how come you taste so good? I can tell you for a fact that's the first time I've ever heard those lyrics. I had no, really? I, I had no idea what he was saying. I've sung that song since like 1978. I had, anyway, I didn't have the slightest idea what he was saying there. Maybe that's one of the reasons it's flown for so long. If Sinatra had sung it very clearly, uh, it might not probably wouldn't have lasted. Uh right. Right. But anyway, so yeah, he's talking about, uh, having sex with, uh, black women, honestly. And then it turns, then it turns to completely different fare in the next few verses. But yeah, so anyway. And that's so actually, the, that scarred old slaver is not the right line, but I won't bore you with it. And the so then, so they're not going to sing that song anymore. Well, uh, uh, no, no, that's not true. Uh, Keith says, yeah, we left it out. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out with the sisters quite where the beef is. Didn't they understand this was a song about the horrors of slavery? But they're trying to bury it. Um, and then he says, uh, we played Brown Sugar every night since 1970. Sometimes you think, we'll take that one out for now, see how it goes. We might put it back in. Mm. When they're 90 and they tour? Exactly. They played the song 1136 times, according to people who have time to keep track of this. <laughs> Second only to Jumpin' Jack Flash. Uh, they've had to delay the flight of shooting a 90-year-old actor into space. William Shatner from Star <sighs> Trek is still on the ground. But, Did you uh, just say Star Trek? It's possible. You're deliberately trying to annoy me this segment. It's possible. <laughs> it's possible they took a look at him and said, we need another booster. <laughs> oh, now body shaming. Ladies and gentlemen, do you see what I have to work with? <laughs> He's he has no boundaries. We cannot get this guy into space. <laughs> uh, we got more on the way. Text line four one five two nine five KFTC. Armstrong and Getty.
The Armstrong and Getty Show. Apparently, Vice President Harris has just slammed the shameful past of Columbus Day. We'll talk about that in a second. I wasn't planning to go there, but I read something interesting yesterday about that. A uh, couple of things worth no- noting. Old Gabby Petito was strangled to death, the coroner says. Mm. I thought it was interesting that there was no mention, I think they would have mentioned it, of uh, likely sexual assault beforehand. That's the sort of thing that almost always happens when it's a random lunatic on the loose who's mm-hmm. killing women. Almost right. always. The right. fact that that didn't happen, I think it makes it much more likely that it was an angry boyfriend. Don't you think? As With a history of violence, or so it would seem. Because yeah. almost always, when you know a young woman is found dead like that, yes, yeah. it's you know there was some sexual stuff going on. Well, there wasn't here, it would appear, and yeah, so that's because they'd gotten into arguments and fights, and he lost his temper and killed her. That's what happened, and he's still on the loose. Um, what was the other thing I wanted to mention? Uh, I'll flit it out of my head; it'll flip back. That's a funny thing about the way your head works. Um, <clears throat> So uh, Kamala Harris mentioning Columbus Day, I came across this yesterday from a pro, uh, history professor, and I, I'm sure he's got uh, his his, uh, his underwear in a bundle about Columbus and uh, treatment of uh, indigenous people and all that sort of thing. But it, you don't need to get involved in that argument to think Columbus Day is stupid. I mean, just the whole the whole idea of it as a national holiday makes no sense to me whatsoever. Um, and then, as Joe pointed out the other day, it was a president way back in the days who was just trying to court the Italian vote, and it had nothing to do with honoring explorers or anything like that. No, they were desperate to do something for the Italians after a, a huge lynching of Italians. This history professor said Columbus wouldn't have recognized himself as an Italian America. Uh, he didn't uh, Italian American. He didn't ever know America existed. He thought he was in Asia. It wasn't until his third voyage that he realized he discovered a new land. Um, uh, Italy didn't exist for, uh, what, 150 years after he landed. (laughs) So, I mean, the idea that he was an Italian when it wasn't a country is kind of hilarious. Um, And he was uh, was from the Republic of Genoa. He was uh, sailing on behalf of, what, Portugal, so just almost, as it says here, almost everything we were taught in school as kids is a fairy tale about the whole Columbus thing. Doesn't mean on, you can, on the other hand, would we have many fine, all-inclusive Caribbean resorts without Columbus? What, what, I don't know. You know I, I often uh, question a fair amount of education that goes on. Why did we all memorize the Nina, the Pintia, and the Santa Maria? Why was that important? I don't. It's not. So it's the, not at all. So, <laughs> I mean, I mean, the, it is the, the it is a very trivial question. It's like the sort of thing that should show up on Jeopardy, and, and one person knows it. And well, how did anybody know that? Because it's not it's not anything you need to know at all. <laughs> if you want to talk about the uh, Western expansion of the European uh, people, you know, it, it was a significant moment. Absolutely. But the whole Columbus discovered America thing is just ridiculous. I mean, it's it's actually ridiculous. Sure, he discovered he well, he landed in the Bahamas, thought he was in Asia. Um, there were already quite a few people here <laughs> that had the, been here. The for... Norsemen had been here. That that is the main thing that kind of got glossed over when I was a kid. The fact that there were hundreds of thousands of people that had lived here for tens of thousands of years with full on. You know, governments and societies and uh, wars with other parts of the country and all that sort of stuff been going on forever. 
We discovered a. You didn't discover. It's like you always used to say about walking into a Walmart and saying, <laughs> I, just, I claim this Walmart. I've discovered this Walmart. Hey, we're already here. In the here name sh- of the Queen. We're already here shopping. What do you mean you discovered it? Right. Right. It had to be news to the people that were, uh, uh, the, the Indians that were further, uh, further ashore and, you know, having farmed that piece of land for generations. And knowing stories going back a thousand years of warring with that tribe over there, and my grandfather's buried over there. What do you mean you discovered this? It's yeah. hilarious. It's it is. And honestly, I, if you're a grown up, I can handle the idea of it was conquest. Sure. Every square inch of the earth has been uh, contested and conquested uh, over and over again. Well, and that's the weird thing about, um, so everybody south of the border speaks Spanish. The reason you speak Spanish is because the Spaniards came and decimated the local populations that had lived south of our border for 10,000 years. Right. So any sort of the Hispanic people are put upon. Well, the native people, if you want to whine about that or complain about the, their treatment, okay, go ahead. But, yeah, the idea that the typical Hispanic person is somehow an oppressed minority who's been colonized, that's hilarious. Anywho. I mean, and, and the whole, we didn't cross the border, the border crossed us. After you wiped out all the natives' peoples, as if I hold current people responsible for the sins of their ancestors anyway, which I don't. Just a dopey idea. I do think Columbus Day is going to be going away in the next couple of years, but that is not a hill I'm going to die on for something to fight for, I'll tell you. Of all the things I'm going to push back against and cancel culture and that, probably not Columbus Day. (laughs) Armstrong and Getty.